Well, grace to you and peace from our God and Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, dear friends, in our Old Testament text for today, we see perhaps one of the greatest, yes, tragedies that has taken place even in history. Imagine again, if you will, the prophet Moses, the man who participated in some of the greatest miracles ever recorded, that man that God himself had chosen to lead an entire people out of slavery and into newness of life. A man who, yes, struggled in that leadership role. A man who, yes, ground his teeth many nights, who wept great tears of sadness, who struggled continually through those desert experiences. A man who ascended the mountain and brought down the Ten Commandments written in God's own hand who struck his staff upon the ground and the mighty sea parted that the nation of Israel could cross over. That man denied entrance into the Holy Land. That prophet who had done so much coming up onto the mountain, God at least giving him a glimpse of what would be inherited, but then told, you will not enter it. You will not enter it. <clears throat> now, dear friends, you might ask in your mind, what was the great sin that Moses committed that he could not enter the promised land? What in the world could this great man of God have done to prevent him from realizing God's great blessing? And when we first examine the text, it is almost shocking how simple it was. And perhaps we even shake our heads and we would say, it's not Fair. For what did Moses do? Well, God instructed him to speak to the rock and water would come forth that the people might quench their thirst and Moses struck it with his staff instead, triggering the text for today. And I say, wow. You know, I, I understand God demands perfection, right? Even in the New Testament, it says, be perfect as I am perfect. And I understand when God sets the rules, yes, we have to follow them. And certainly, you know, when God says, don't murder, right? We can agree with that. We just say, you know, it really works best for society when we don't murder each other, you know? 
And when God says, don't steal, yeah, we can agree with that. It really works best, but other people aren't stealing my things. I like that one. But God says, speak to the rock. And his number one guy on the planet Earth strikes it with his staff instead of speaking to it. And God just kind of does this hard thing. And maybe we ask the question, why? And maybe we think to ourselves, that seems really, really hard. And yet some of you here today, you've studied your Bible, you know exactly what the answer is, don't you? Because the New Testament tells us that that rock was Christ. That rock that the water came forth from, that was Christ himself. And when Moses struck that rock, instead of speaking to it, this was actually the second time that this sequence had taken place, wasn't it? Because you remember the first time. The first time, God came to Moses. The people were really thirsty. God said, strike the rock and water will gush forth. And again, we keep in the back of our mind, the rock was Christ. You see, when Moses struck the rock for a second time, it was as if he were saying, Jesus' death upon the cross will not be enough. Jesus being struck the first time and bringing forth life giving water, that won't be enough. He will have to be struck a second time. Yeah, that's what Moses was indicating by striking the rock a second time. That Jesus' sacrifice would not be enough. And dear friends, that's why God became so angry with Moses. To us, perhaps, again, it seems a very innocent mistake. Right? We can imagine ourselves in Moses' position. There you are in your Moses, and you have your mighty staff in your hand. This is the staff where you struck the ground, and the waters of the sea parted, and the nation crossed over on dry land. This is the staff with which you struck the rock, and the water came forth and fed thousands and thousands of people, quenching their thirst. This is the staff you have carried, your symbol of office. And now the Lord speaks to you and he says, talk to the rock and the water will come forth. And you naturally stride over there on your strong legs full of the vigor that the Bible says Moses had even on his last day with your mighty staff in your hand and you strike with your staff. 
the rock once again. But dear friends, in God's eyes, Jesus need only be struck once for our sin. Jesus need only be crucified this one time for all of our sin to be paid for. The living water comes forth from Christ because he was struck on Calvary. Jesus paid for it all. You know, last Sunday we talked in detail about the economy of the scripture, didn't we? How Jesus paid it all. And how we still struggle at times, don't we? We want to do something to prove ourselves. We want to perform some great act to demonstrate that we are worthy. But dear friends, we find that just like Moses, we couldn't quite make it. Now there's a, another man in the Old Testament that did great things. It was a mighty man in God's eyes. The man I'm thinking of was Job. And once again we consider this morning, as that book of Job begins. The Lord, he looks down upon this man, his servant, a, a, a man who's not just a young man. No, he has children. He has grown children. Right? He's, you know, at least probably 40 years old, right? 40, 45, maybe 50. He's in, you know, that, that range and the Lord says of Job, Behold, my servant Job, a man without sin. Have you considered that? Job made it to about the age of 45 without ever having committed a single sin. He was pure. He was holy. About 45 years he lived, never sinning. And again, what happens to Job, right? Things begin to go wrong in his life. He finally comes to the place where he begins to tell his friends and neighbors, if God would just come here and meet with me face to face, I'm sure we can work this out. It's a misunderstanding. Right? Well, what is he saying? He's saying, right, he's smarter than God. He's better than God. If God would just come meet with him, they could work things out. Job, even though he lived 45 years without sin, falls into sin. Moses, though he had been chosen by God, though he had led the people, though he did many great and mighty wonders in his day, at the very end, he falls into sin. And dear friends, we fall into sin, don't we? 
And maybe here today there's many of us that can pat ourselves on the back and we can say, hey, you know, I never murdered anybody. And hey, you know, I, I never knowingly stole from anyone. And hey, you know, I, I, I never committed adultery and I never bore false witness. And I never coveted and I never lied and, and I lived my life perfectly. But then comes that at least one time. And for every one of us, there is that one time, isn't there? There's a time. The time you, 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 you slipped, because you know, you, you like mashed your little toe into that table leg as you were crossing the floor and blasphemy. Right, came out. Say, wow, I was doing really good for, you know, 28 years, and then, boom, my little toe. And there it was. Right? And you know what? Just that one time keeps us from entering into God's presence. Just that one little slip, just that you struck the rock instead of talking to it, just that you disobeyed the word of the Lord, that keeps us from God. And yeah, what is the answer? The answer is, I can't do it. The answer is, I need help. The answer is, I need someone who was perfect to pay the price for the times that I messed up. I need Jesus. Even if the only thing I did wrong was to defame the name of God, like Job did. God doesn't really know what's going on in my life, said Job. He needs to come and meet with me so we can straighten things out. I don't really need to just talk to the rock, said Moses. I will strike it with my mighty staff as I've done before. A show of my godly power. And you and I, in those same conditions, We've fallen. We can't get up again. And we need help. And dear friends, that is where the sweet gospel comes rolling in, isn't it? That we too can come to understand because of the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because he was struck that first time, the living water pours out from him into our hearts and our minds. At any given moment, we can return. At any given moment, we can fall upon our knees and say, Lord, it's not about my sacrifice. And Lord, I know that you don't have to be struck again for this sin. 
But Lord, I thank you so very much that 2,000 years ago on a hill in the middle of Israel you sacrificed yourself for me. And dear friends, that is the wonder, isn't it? On any Sunday we can come into this church and we can confess our sins and know they are forgiven. At any moment in time we can come once again to the Lord's altar. We can partake of His very body and blood and know that our sin is washed away. At any moment in time, we can depart from our worship service, having simply received the blessing at the end, knowing that God is with us, not because of anything that we have done, but because Jesus Christ himself has looked down upon our sinful estate and still held out his hand has still lifted us up from the mud once again and made us new and cleansed us from all of our sin. My dear friends, this is the love our Savior has shown to us yet once again today. God loves us that much. He loves enough to send his son, even knowing what the future will hold. Even understanding that Jesus will be mocked and ridiculed, that he will be executed in one of the most horrendous ways possible, that Jesus will pay the price. He will stand firm. He will remain without sin. And he will hold out his arms to us. Amen. And may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.